0: You're listening to teaching from Castle Hills Christian Church in San Antonio, Texas. More information about Castle Hills Christian Church is available at
1: chccsa.com. So on the video... uh...
0: We had an incredible week at Ninos. Uh, It was just uh, got a lot of work projects done, but we also got a chance to minister to kids. And and just so you'll have a little bit of an understanding is these are kids that no one else wants. Uh, These are kids that the state have not found anyone to adopt. And Nino says, we'll step up and we'll take care of these kids. And Many times our heart was broken as we saw these kids, some of them that had been uh, abused physically. Uh, There was a little boy I'll never forget. He had welt marks basically where his dad had beaten him with a belt, and you could see it all over his face. We saw kids that were sexually abused, uh, that just had all kinds of different needs, and we got an opportunity just to see how God was working, And, and, and our lives were changed. And so if you ever get an opportunity to go on a mission trip with us, We would encourage you to do so. Your life just will not be the same. I I know that uh, every day when I was talking to Julie, she said, "Well, what kid do you want to take home uh, tonight?" And and I just wish that I could take so many of those kids home. And uh, just because my heart broke, uh, but there is some really amazing work going on. One of the things that we got to do was to talk with the kids and minister with the kids. And and I remember the first night uh, there was this kid named Carlos. And man, he, he was a talker. And he came up to me and he said, Mexico is much better at soccer than the United States. <laughs> I said, yeah, that's probably the case. The United States has only beat Mexico one time. And then after me, he went to another person. And after that, another person. He wanted me to know that Mexico was much better at soccer. You, you just never know what a kid's going to say. Uh, There was a a boy named Alex, he's 16 years old, his mom was addicted to alcohol, and because of that he has some learning difficulties, Uh, he also has a sister, and and Alex was hanging around, he was out of school at the time, and uh, even though he's 16, he acted more like a 12 year old. And he was working on a skateboard, and, and he just hung out with our group. I mean, we just loved on him, and he loved on us. And, and we're headed down to, to Mexico City to, to do some tourist things. And, and Donovan and I were sitting on this road, and he's sitting between us. And all of a sudden, he says, "Banyo," needs bathroom. And we said, we kind of ignored it the first time. Next thing he says, "Banyo," We're like, okay, there's some urgency there. He really has to go he says, "Banyo again. And so we told the person who was driving, hey, I think he really needs to go to the bathroom. It was like, well, we're stuck in Mexico traffic. There's nothing we can do. And we're passing by this bus station. And he, he's like, "Banyo!" And we're like, yeah, we can't get over there. And, and next thing you know, he, he realizes he's not going to be able to go. And so he falls asleep on Donovan. He kind of just cuddles up next to him. And, and we're like, OK, we're OK. And man, as soon as he wakes up, you can guess what he said. And, and so we finally got him to go. But, but if you're on the trip, you'll never forget his face and you'll never forget his voice. I mean, he's just a special young man that, that just grew on us. And as I was thinking just about the different things that, that kids say, um, I was reminded of a, of a story uh, this week. There was a Sunday school teacher that had finished teaching class and she was ushering everyone over to the church service. And she said, class. Do you know why you have to be quiet when you come into the worship center? This one little girl raises her hand. She said, yeah, because everyone's sleeping over there. <laughs> some of you can relate to that, right? Right? Yeah. I, I, I think about a boy that at the end of the service came up to the minister and he says, you know, when I become an adult, I'm going to give you some money, pastor. The pastor said, well, that's nice. Why, why are you going to do that? And he said, well, my dad says, you're the poorest pastor we've ever had at this church. <laughs> Another pastor was praying. He said, thank you, Lord. Without you, we're nothing but dust. A little girl chirps up to her mom. Mom, what is butt dust? <laughs> you can imagine the congregation began to to laugh and you just never know, if you have kids, what they're going to say and what they're going to do. There was a, another family. They invited some guests over, and they were around the table. And the mom said, hey, would, would you pray for the meal? She said, well, I wouldn't know what to say. And so the guest said, hey, why don't you just pray? Just, just say what your mom says. She says, dear Lord, why on earth did I invite all of these people over to my house today? Uh, Again, kids are unpredictable. You you just never know what they're going to say. We've been in a series called, What Makes Jesus Mad? And it's based off of a book by Tim Harlow, a great little book that I read this past summer. And and we're going to see that normally the people who made Jesus mad were the religious teachers. It was the disciples. It wasn't the, the people that were not followers but it was the religious people and you're going to see Matthew 23:13 is our theme verse for this series. It says, "Woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You what? You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces." The things that made Jesus mad, the things that made Jesus angry was when the door was shut in people's faces that when we kept people from coming to know Jesus Christ. And today we're going to see that Jesus didn't just get mad at the Pharisees and the religious leaders, but he got mad at his disciples, the people he had chose, his group of friends that were following and learning from him. And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, we're going to look at verses 13 to 16, and we're going to see a great little story about how Jesus demonstrates love to children. Let's go ahead and start reading. It says, One day, some parents brought their children to Jesus so that he could touch and bless them. But the disciples, what? scolded the parents for bothering him. I mean, Jesus is changing the world. He's an important person. He didn't have time for children. When when Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with his disciples. He said to them, let the children come to me. Don't stop Or your translation might say hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. And then he took the children in his arms, boys and girls most likely, and placed his hands on their heads and and blessed them. And this passage may seem a little bit strange to some of us. Why would the disciples kind of act as bouncers, saying, hey, no, you, Jesus is too busy. But we need to understand that children in the first century, they didn't have any kind of social status. Uh, pagan authors have described children like plants. Uh, about 50% of the children born in the first century didn't reach the age of 10. It's it said that Roman fathers could beat a child to death until he comes of age. It, it was common for Parents, a father or an unwed mother could abandon their child at a trash dump, at a temple, or at a doorway. And because kids just weren't looked on highly. And most of these abandoned kids were sold into slavery, some of them sold into prostitution. And they had very harsh lives. And so in the first century, even though our culture, we tend to praise kids, sometimes we brag about them, we treat them as trophies. In the first century, that wasn't the case. Now, some have debated, some of the scholars have debated, uh, did the Jews treat their children like the Romans did? We'll see in Mark chapter 6, there's a story of Herod has a birthday party and he has a girl come out and she dances, most likely seductively. And so we realize that this is probably happening in some context. But despite the view of children back then, there was still a sense that, that parents wanted their children to be blessed by someone famous. And, and so Jesus is there, and, and so, hey, let Jesus go and, and bless them and touch them. But the disciples are like, no, I mean, Jesus is important. He's got important things to do. I mean, he's changing the world. He's preaching. He's doing miracles. He's doing all these things. He doesn't have time for these kids But Jesus sees what's going on, and he says, no, you're not going to shut the door on kids. Kids are important. I love kids. You are not going to do that. And we're going to see Jesus' heart time and time again. He continues to shock the world by saying the kingdom is for sinners and tax collectors and outcasts, the sick, and yes, even children. He says, don't hinder, don't stop children from coming to me. Don't stop children from coming to me. Open up the door. And he blesses the children. He says, I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. And then he took the children in his arms and placed his hands on their heads and blessed them. One of the things that I've gotten a chance to do this past year is to work with our Awana program with our children on Sunday nights. And, and I love doing this. Those kids are so cute. They're challenging at times. Sometimes they get on my nerves a little bit. I'll be honest. But I love to hear their answers. And, and I love their pure faith. And, and I don't remember what kid said this, but we are talking about trials and tribulations And it kind of reminded me of what we're going through right now in our culture. And I just remember this kid saying, why are we worried about it? God's got this. Why are we worried about it? God's got this. And it just kind of reminded me right now. God knew what was going to take place in our society right now. He knew about the coronavirus before we even heard about it. And God's got this. And, and sometimes, in times like this, in circumstances like this, we've got to have that type of faith to say, you know what? God's in control. Yes, we have some anxiety, and we have to be aware of that. Some of you are concerned. What's going to happen to my job? What, how's the whole, the whole money thing going to work out? Do I have enough toilet paper because my so-and-so friend over here has it all at his house? I mean, we, we, we have concerns about, about those things. But at the end of the day, we've got to have faith like a child that God's going to take care of us, and we're going to lean into God in times like this. That that that's what we're called to do, is we're called to have a faith like that. We have a father that made the world. He's got all the resources. He's the great physician. He can heal. He can do whatever he wants. And so as Christians, we're called to live differently during times like this. We don't have to live in panic. We can have peace and we can have joy. We're going to take precautions just like what we've done today. We're, not, we're going to be wise. But at the same time, inside here, Christ lives. And we're going to live with peace and joy. And, we're, and I think it's a great opportunity for Christians to rise. This is an opportunity that God has called you to go and minister to others. That you can show them, hey, this is what peace looks like. Yes, I'm going to take precautions. But at the same time... I'm going to love and look for ways to serve my community in times like this. That's why we're looking at acts of hope and serving meals to kids and senior citizens that may not have access to food. That's why we're continuing to look this week for opportunities to serve. We know that there's some, certain parents that they're still going to have to go to work, and they, now spring break's been extended a week. We don't know what that's going to look like, but I'm going to encourage you, we're going to continue to look for ways to serve our city because that's what we do here. That's our heart, because we want to have a faith like a child. And throughout the Bible, you're going to see that God loves children. Uh, in the Old Testament, it's full of passages about the importance of raising children to love and worship God. And we see parents are reminded that children are heritage From the Lord. And children are instructed to obey the instructions of the parents. We see passages that God loves taking care of widows and orphans, those who are less fortunate. In the gospels, we really discover that God's soft spot for children. What we'll see in in Matthew 18, he he talks about who's the greatest in the kingdom. His disciples have been fighting about who's most important. And, and, and it was about that time the disciples came to Jesus and said, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? I think they were hoping that he would say one of them. I think they would answer the question, well, whoever follows the most rules. But Jesus called a, a little child to him and put the child among them. And then he said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like a little child, unless you repent and you become like a little child, where you have this faith, where you trust me, where you depend on me, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Again, let me remind you, what were they fighting about? Who is the greatest? And he said, hey, be humble like this child, this child that has no social status out in the world, I say is most important. Anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf is welcoming who? Me, But if you cause one of these little ones who trust in me to fall into sin, now catch these words, it would be better for you to have a large millstone, a large rock tied around your neck and be drowned into the depths of the sea. I mean, I don't see Jesus saying this with a smile on his face. Like he's serious. Do not lead kids into sin. Do not hurt kids. And he says, beware that you don't look down on any of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven there's angels are always in the presence of my heavenly Father. Jesus has this love for kids. Not only that, Jesus raised three people from the dead, and one of them was a child. There was a guy named Jairus that he said his daughter was sick and about to die, and, and Jesus arrives at this official's home, and he, he saw this noisy crowd and, and heard funeral music going on. He basically is going to a funeral, and he says, Get out, he told them. The girl isn't dead. She's only asleep. But the crowd laughed at Jesus. I mean, she was, she was dead. But after the crowd was put outside, however, Jesus went in and took the girl by the hand, and she stood up. And the report of this miracle swept through the entire countryside. Again, Jesus only brought three people back to life, and one of them was a child. Jesus cares about kids. He wants the door to be open to kids. And that's why one of the reasons why we invest so much into our children's programs and into our teenage uh, our teen program, That's why we have facilities, that's why we have volunteers, that's why we do fundraisers, that's why we uh, did a fundraiser over at Aggie Park, that's why we try to get our kids to come to camp. We know that by investing in kids, they're our future, and we also know that that's the opportunity that most of them will accept Christ, normally before 18. And and so we do our very best to train our volunteers, to help our volunteers plant seeds into our kids' hearts. I think if you've been around here for very long, you know that kids are important to us. Our teen program is important to us. And so I I thought, well, I could talk about it, or I could have actually someone who's been in our program talk a little bit about it. And so you're going to see me talking with Celeste, one of our teenagers, about the impact that the program has made uh, on her. So would you watch it with me? Hey, CACC, I'm here with Celeste, and it's been amazing to watch Celeste grow over the years. I ministered to you in kids' church and Sunday school at Vacation Bible School and camps, and, and now it's been neat to watch you even blossom even more in our student ministry. You're a senior this year. You're graduating. It's hard for me to believe. It makes me feel so old. But I'm so proud of you and seeing the life that, you, that you're that you living for Christ And this morning, we've been talking about how, as a church, we want to be intentional with helping our kids and our students come to know Christ and to grow in their relationship. And so I thought I would just spend a few moments asking you, what have we done well to help you grow in your relationship?
1: Well, I notice whenever I have, like, a difficult problem, Richard always, like, ends up talking about that topic, and he just, like, asks like, some questions that help me clear
0: up my conflict. Isn't it amazing how the Holy Spirit works that way? We we struggle with something, and then all of a sudden, we're talking about those things, the questions that you might have about your faith or how to get through life. And and so I know Richard and the student ministry really are intentional with dealing with real-life issues that you might be struggling with. Is there other things that, that we're doing right now that encourages you in your walk?
1: Um, also, whenever we take our CIY trip, mm-hmm. it's always fun to like just go and spend time at, like, friends and people who also have like a faith in Christ and it's just nice to get away from all these other people who just like want to test your faith and just be with people who will encourage you to grow even more in your faith.
0: So there's some people out there in the crowd right now, they don't know what CIY is. Can you explain just a little bit about what CIY is? It's a week long camp, especially mm-hmm. for teenagers. I know we have middle school and we also have high school, but explain a little bit more about that.
1: So CIY means Christ and youth
0: mm-hmm. and
1: it's when I first went it was an amazing experience. There was a lot of singing, worshiping, mm-hmm. there is a lot of like self questions that you had to like ask yourself in the like, scripture. Um, I think there is a thing called S-E-L-A-H, s e l a h and it was just nice to like be there and then like have different speakers like talk about different things about Christ,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: it was just nice to hear everything like, be deeper with Him.
0: So basically, it inspires you in your walk. I, I know I've heard several students tell us that's been like the best week of their year, being able to go, kind of disconnect from technology and just really focus on Christ, and then also just the travel up to the trip wherever you guys travel, just having that sense of community and just being able to laugh and, and hang out and just be focused on Christ. Uh, I know that you also serve in our student ministry in a wide variety of ways. Has that helped you as well in, in your walk with Christ?
1: Yes, it has also helped me to just be more involved in Christ. And whenever I'm here, like I always try to be a good role model to like the younger ones, like my younger friends, and just Show them and let them know that I'm there, like how God is for us, that I'm always a friend, that they can lean on me.
0: So you're not only serving a wide variety of things, but you're intentionally mentoring and, and trying to pass down, plant those seeds of faith in, in younger students, our middle school and, and younger students than you. And, and so Celeste, I just want you to know I'm so proud of you and proud with the way that you're just bearing so much fruit. And I hope that you know our church loves you, loves our student ministry, loves our children's ministry, and so I just want to encourage you to just let you know that we're here for you and we're praying for you, and we love children and students here at CHCC. Amen. Amen. We're not only investing to our kids here on this campus, but as I mentioned earlier, uh, we, may, we minister around the world. And one of the places that we're so proud to to minister with is with Ninos. Uh, They've now extended to eight children's homes, and uh, we're thinking that they may extend to 10 or 11 in the future. They're ministering to people up in the mountains and giving them medical care. They're planning churches. And and again, they're stepping in the gap for those who have been orphaned, abused, uh, and abandoned. And so, We are so excited to continue our partnership and to see what God's doing there. Not only do we support Ninos, but there's an organization called Black Box. There's over 2 million children who are sold into sexual slavery, and conservative estimates indicate that there's over 400,000 of them are boys. And Black Box says the story has to change, and they buy these boys out of slavery, and they help more move toward healing, and they show them the love of Christ. And so that's important for us. We want to partner with people not only in our city, but also globally that are ministering to kids. And and then beyond that, I I think about the other places here in San Antonio. Kids are also sold into sexual slavery here in our city. Some are in extreme poverty. Some lack educational opportunities. Some lack nutrition. Some are being bullied and dealing with suicidal thoughts. Uh, that's why we are partnering with Acts of Hope, that they're already stepping into the gap this week, and they realize, hey, there's spring break that's extended. Some kids aren't, are, aren't going to be able to eat. We want to help out with that, and that's why I said, hey, we want to partner with you. I, I think about Guardians of the Children, this motorcycle group that came here during Fall Festival and said, when a child is, is abused, we will go with you to the courthouse. That person will not bother you anymore. We'll nurture you. We'll mentor you. We'll help you. Now, I read this statistic at the end of October 2019. There was over 3,000 kids who were in foster care. Many of these kids were abused and neglected and abandoned. That's here in our city. And I think as a church, we need to continue to look for opportunities to reach out and love kids. This isn't just globally, but this is here in our city. And we're going to continue to look for opportunities to love people and to love children. Because Jesus doesn't shut the door on children. He opens up the door on children. And I, and I think that you know that's our heart here. And so I thought, what was the best way that we could kind of end this service today? And, and I would ask that you would pray this prayer with me. Would you repeat it? Lord, we know you love and value children enough to be angered when they are mistreated, abandoned, or suffering. Fill us with that passion to protect and nurture young people for the good of your kingdom. Amen.